Good morning as we gather on this Wednesday in the fifth week of Ordinary Time. We have this beautiful opportunity this week and this fifth week as we spend our time Monday through Friday in this reading from Genesis, these first few chapters, as well as continuing our study in Mark. We're reminded again of the origin of the human family, and you've heard said many times the Bible, Holy Scripture, is not a history book, but history is embedded within it. What anthropologists are universally agreed on is the origin of we, the modern human, does have its source or original existence in what we know now to be the fertile crescent of the, of the Mideast, what is today modern-day Iraq, down south as we make that curve into North Africa. This is the source of life for we as the human family. And here we have, in just the second chapter of Genesis, this naming of great rivers that exist to this day, Euphrates and the Tigris. They are true. They, they form the main flow of life through the modern-day country of Iraq, ancient Mesopotamia. They enter into the Persian Gulf. Gihon, this other river you hear of, flows through Jerusalem. Pishon, to the north, don't know exactly which river that is, but it's likely one that flows out of the mountains that form the northern boundaries of modern-day Iraq and flows south into that fertile plain. And so there's this real attachment to real places and locations on earth that have existed through the entire telling of the human story, beginning in Genesis. And it's a reminder again of God's omniscience and God's plan for us, for all of us, that we understand his presence, that we understand his creative bounty, that we understand he willed us to live. As we heard yesterday, he was very pleased with the introduction of man. He says that, and he looked upon what he had created in the human family, Adam and Eve, and he was very pleased. He was pleased with all the other previous days of creation, but very pleased when he made us, our ancestral parents. And so we engage scripture with this beautiful understanding of our Lord's plan for the human family and his desire that we know him. That was our theme on Monday with the children, isn't it? Why, why are we born? To know him, to know him and to love him. That's why we exist. And that's the entirety of our life is to know him and to love him. Today in Mark's gospel, we have our Lord and Savior teaching so beautifully and so simply as teaching a child. Remember again the setting, he's engaged with a dialogue with the learned. These are very educated, the elites of society, the Pharisees and scribes who knew the law. And many followed it very authentically. They followed it very authentically. Their hearts were actually very sincere in trying to be an adherent Jew. And they believed that these dietary laws, and they believed that these purification laws, and they believed that the offerings were necessary to live in what is known as hokmah, Chokmah in Hebrew, which is to live in alignment with the will of God. And if I am going to pursue Chokmah, it's necessary for me to adhere to these laws that have been passed down and handed to me and described to be my, my elders, by my family, by the priests and by the, the Pharisees and the elites in society that describe to me how to be a faithful Jew. Well, this is what I must do. And so these additive laws that were added after the Mosaic law these laws that count the number of steps per day and have very, very specific restrictions on dietary access, how I use the time of day, at what time of day certain things occur, those laws were added over the many centuries of their faith and became quite burdensome. Our Lord's challenge 
we know from Matthew's gospel, particularly in the 22nd and 23rd chapter, he's very animated in his dialogue with the Pharisees at that point because he says to them, you lay these burdens upon people's shoulders, basically, but you don't carry them yourselves. You hold them to account for these many laws you yourselves do not follow. That was his point. And today, we have the simple teaching of enjoying a meal. And the people of that time, first century Judaism, did have, as continues to this day, very specific restrictions on dietary access. And yesterday, the Pharisees' concerns were that his disciples were not necessarily washing their hands in accordance with the rubrics that had been des described. And then today, he's taking, he's taking benefit of the food offered, and he's not particular to the dietary restrictions. He's enjoying the bounty of the earth, the Garden of Eden, every tree, every green thing our Lord had given us, as we know from Genesis. Our Lord, the Word, knows the truth of God's bounty. And he says this important teaching. It's not what you take into yourself that makes you unclean. It's what exits us, our words most profoundly, our actions. Those are the things that bring defilement to God, not, not something he gave us of the earth. It's, it's what we do with the nutrition and how it energizes and animates our actions, how it gives us life. What do we do with that life? Do we tell his story? Do we advance the cause of faith? Do we offer compassion and generosity to all we meet? Or are we pecune and judgmental about someone else's practices that may not specifically align with ours? We celebrate the life of Saint Scholastica. What's so beautiful about her life is her twin brother, Benedict, is known and revered for having written the rule of life, having lived some time in a monastic setting. Saint Mount Angel Seminary is ensconced within beautiful Mount Angel Monastery. The monks and the students live separately, but you're absorbed into the, the environment, the monastic environment that's so beautifully and so authentically lived out there. And you learn the rule of life while you're there. It forms a lot of the charism of the hilltop, naturally so. You observe its life being, the rule of life being lived out so, so authentically by the monks that have committed their life there, this vow of stability. They will live their life and die on that hilltop. It's beautiful to see. But that rule of life gives great freedom in Christ. That rule of life, which is lengthy and is studied, and the young postulants have to study it at great effort, is lived out with such authenticity in Christ that in that rule of life is freedom. Scholastica, the twin of Benedict, is in many ways assumed to have helped him in, in a very specific way of writing that out. In fact, at the monastery is the Abbey Church, a little bit bigger than the one we sit in right now, beautifully adorned, beautiful Benedictine Abbey Church. If you've not seen one, they are stunning in their architectural simplicity and beauty. But there are two, two statues towards the, the uh, about a third of the way in from the narthex. And on the left is Scholastica, and on the right is Benedict. And Benedict is shown in this statue. He's often depicted in art of holding a broken chalice, and there's history behind that broken chalice. But Scholastica is shown always holding a book. The book is the rule of life. And we can imagine, as some of us who enjoy the privilege of siblings know, particularly if she's a sister, if, if the sibling is a sister, guiding us and helping us. I'm blessed by four sisters who guide and help me continue to do so to this day in many, many beautiful ways. And I can just imagine Scholastica helping her brother. Benny, Benny, here's what you need to do. 
The story of her death is such as that. As is told even this morning in the reading of the office, divine office, Scholastica and a few of her confreres come to see Benedict, but they don't enter the monastic grounds at Monte Cassino. They stay outside the gate. And uh, she spends the day with her brother in praise and worship. And he needs to go back. He wants to go back up to the monastery at nighttime because for him, being in his cell, as it's known, was very important for the monk to return to their cell at night. And she says, well, don't go. I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay with me. And he said, no, I'm going. Sorry, sis. I'm going back up the hilltop. So she is told in the divine office reading, she puts her head down and she prays. And this very powerful storm comes, this thunderstorm comes. It's so powerful with the wind and the lightning and the rain that he decides, well, maybe I'll stay here. Maybe I'll stay here tonight. So they stay through the night together as brother and sister and the others that were gathered, praying together and speaking of spiritual things. And the next morning he leaves, he goes back up the hill. And two days later, I think, or three days, he says he sees she dies and he sees her soul ascending like a dove to heaven. And how beautiful that she got to spend that last night proximate to her death with her brother in praise and worship of our Lord. So we take from that her life of example, and we take from our Lord's teaching today that it's the authenticity in our faith, it's seeking him out, it's the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in the Christ that gives us joy. Let us be focused on that authentic walk and not so much on the pecune that can in many ways be very distracting. God bless you all.